0: Hello and welcome back to the Silver Screen and Roll Podcast Network. This is I Love Basketball. I'm your host Sabrina Merchant. I am joined by Anthony Irwin, and today is the roast of Andre Drummond. Isn't that right, Anthony?
1: <laughs> is it ever not like? Is that?
0: I checked my calendar. That's what we were supposed
1: to be talking about today, right? It's been it's been it's been like uh, ten days or so, probably even longer. It's been uh, going on a couple weeks now that I haven't had a show, and I've just been walking around my house just just telling Andre Drummond jokes
0: repping for this moment
1: (laughs) (laughs) it has been it has been just a steady stream of of andre Drummond. uh on andre Drummond. it it, it also like he also makes it super easy he he, it's not it man it's it's kind of like neville longbottom from harry potter okay where where like there was that scene in the second movie where the pixies like pick him up and, and hoist oh, him yeah. on top of the chandelier. And he's standing, and he's sitting, like hanging up there. And he's like, why is it always me? And it's like, <laughs> like Drum- Drummond like misses a dunk. And it's like, why is it always me? Why is it always you? You make it so easy on me.
0: I gotta say, uh, players who wear a t-shirt underneath their jerseys always feel like they're just asking for it a little extra. <laughs> yeah, You know, Anthony Davis wears like the the super fitted shirt underneath. Right. So it just serves to like highlight his guns. But Andre Drummond, I'm sure could do that. Like he's very well-built guy, but uh, he just wears a normal t-shirt and it doesn't add to the uh, aesthetic at all. But, you know, there's, there's been a lot of Andre Drummond talk. I, (laughs) I just couldn't help it. You know, I'm here recording a podcast for the thing. What else am I (laughs) going to talk about? Um, Anyway, the Lakers had uh, some pretty big news announced today that LeBron James, after missing last night's game against Denver, will also miss uh, Thursday and Friday's games against the Clippers and Portland both of which figure to be pretty important in terms of seating perspective. So uh, that's, uh, that's unfortunate, you know, although Mm -hmm. I guess there's a couple of ways of looking at this Uh, on the one hand, the Lakers looked about as good yesterday as they have. I want to say since they played in Brooklyn uh, on that national TV game on a Saturday back at the beginning of April, Mm -hmm. I don't think it's because LeBron James wasn't playing, but I do think that there is definitely a sense of urgency that has been hoisted upon this team because They are in this ridiculous position of having to fight to stay out of the play-in and it's about time they started playing like their backs were against the wall because it feels like this sort of energy should have been happening a long time ago. Obviously it would be better if LeBron were part of the group that was playing at this level of energy, but he won't be. Uh, I guess, Anthony, what were your like initial thoughts when you heard that LeBron is going to be out for a little bit longer than we originally anticipated?
1: I mean, it, it was a lot of thoughts. It was, you know, th- the first thought was like, so you really came back and and said that you weren't quite a hundred percent, and you said that you needed to come back against the Sacramento Kings. Like that's the game. That's the game that you rush back for, and it makes that uh, loss even uglier in hindsight, uh, given what the potential risk was there. Uh, so that's that was the initial like, okay, <laughs> decision making process. Uh, on that one wasn't particularly great, but then like, let's say it isn't the doomsday, like his ankle is fine-ish and he just wants to make sure he's as fresh as possible for the playoffs, which is like, by the way, smart, you know? Uh, I don't think the Lakers are, are at risk of falling all the way out of or or into the uh, play-in games quite yet. I, I, I think they they have a decent gap – or gap if they lose to portland
0: on friday it gets dicey
1: it does it you start getting a little nervous but portland also like i've never felt like portland was was any kind of a world beater this year they've had the the greatest eight seed of all time has had a tough time this this season so i i I guess if you're saying like can you can the lakers squeak out another win here against portland i could see it without lebron i could especially if anthony davis plays the way that he played Um, at the end of the Denver game, so but but like the other larger point that I kind of ran into is I've just never seen a really really good team, Lakers team, any team, care this little about a regular season like just not care at all. Where it's not just LeBron taking in a, a couple extra games off in the in the in the middle of a playoff race, it's not just Alex Caruso doing the same uh a, a, you know a game ago uh when he sat with the back spasms that uh, the Lakers came out and said after the fact that like he could have played if if he wanted to they just decided to be extra cautious it's not just those things it's also by the way like just not playing the best players in your rotation because you want to figure out all these things and even if that count you know leads to a couple extra losses that it's it's you're also just going to take those L's and we'll just see where the season turns out and and I I just it's weird to me usually see this with a a bad team at the end of the year like you usually see this where they give young guys run because you got to see if those young guys can grow and also by the way it improves your lottery standing Um, you don't normally see this with good teams, let alone championship favorites. I I believe there's still favorites if they aren't, they're like right behind Brooklyn for it in Vegas. So, so I, this is weird to me. This is really weird to me. And, and, and I, sorry for ranting here. It's been a long time since I've had a show, but like, but also if you're telling me that like, you're not going to care, why should fans care? Like why, why should, why? you and I, we have to watch because it's what we're paid to do. But if I was just some regular fan out there and and the marquee franchise in the NBA is just saying like, oh yeah, the regular season, we just fart that thing away and we hope we'll just see what we'll just see what scenario that we walk into in the postseason. I just don't think it's very good for 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 the league, for the Lakers, for anybody really involved.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is it's so diametrically opposed to the way the Lakers approached the regular season last year where yeah. yes, they were trying things out, right. Like um, there were different closing lineups pretty much every game. Right. Uh, you know, obviously LeBron and Anthony Davis were the guarantees, but the three around them changed quite a bit. And, you know, we saw Frank Vogel continuously experimenting with new things. Like, you know, when Deion Waiters and Jared Smith came in, like they got some time in the bubble. When Marquise Morris came in, he got some time. Uh, Quinn Cook was part of the rotation here and there. Troy Daniels was part mm-hmm. of the rotation here and there. Like all of these things were tried at some point, And, like Kuzma moved like anywhere from like a two, three or four, like all of these different things were worked out, but there was still a certain level of like discipline, I guess during mm-hmm. the regular season, like there was a meaningful attempt to try to win games. And what really irks me about this current stretch of the Lakers is that Frank Vogel keeps saying that they're trying all of these different combinations in the interest of winning Except. games right now. No, <laughs> no, that is not what's happening. <laughs> this group is not constructed to win games as As personally designed, like last year, there were two guys on the Lakers who were guaranteed anything, right? It was like Frank used to say, we have two starters, Mm -hmm. LeBron and Anthony Davis and everybody else is sort of files in. And like that was, you know, mildly incorrect because like Javel basically started all the time. Mm -hmm. Danny Green basically started all the time. But those were the only two guys who were guaranteed anything regardless of their level of play, right? Like Danny Green started every game. He didn't close a lot of them because if he wasn't good enough, that wasn't happening. Uh,
1: JaVale went like entire playoff series without playing. Exactly.
0: Like even during the regular season, you know, like Alex Caruso found his role Mm -hmm. in and out based on like, if he was giving them enough on the offensive end, like everybody on the team, their role was commensurate with the level of energy and production that they were supplying on a regular basis. And that just doesn't seem to be the case right now. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. Ben McLemore gets beat repeatedly on defense he just over got beat and over
1: door right now like while we have been talking he turned his back around and I personally beat him back door it was the craziest thing
0: yeah I, d- I don't know if it's just that the Lakers have fewer options right now or there is just this enormous time crunch but like yes you want to figure out which lineups are going to work in the postseason I don't think it's that beneficial to be playing Ben McLemore all of these minutes without Anthony Davis and LeBron James because mm-hmm. When is he realistically going to be able to hang in a playoff game, unless those two guys are covering up his defensive mistakes? Right? Like, I don't want to get into the Drummond thing again because, again, I feel like we have enough of a book on this. Like, it, it looks weird when he plays this, next to Anthony Davis. Is that,
1: no, like this is this is to your point though. You would think you would think that we have the book has been written. We are on book seven of yep. this, <laughs> same, this, this series. Stick
0: we, with the Harry Potter movie. <laughs>
1: We know, we know exactly how this is going. We're in the epilogue of like, <laughs> you know, and, and, and yet, no, like to your point, he's, it feels like he's been kind of promised something and, and, and it doesn't matter how bad you're playing. He's going to start like, I, I'd i be maybe, you know, all of this is moot and Mark Gasol comes out and he starts the next game because like, this is, it has become so obvious that that guy is, is a better fit and just a better basketball player than Andre Drummond is. And, and, you know, either, either that, or your point is, is still really strong in that it doesn't, it it hasn't been an, a meritocracy. It's, it's been like a, or, or it isn't one until it absolutely has to be one. And they tried to win a game for like five minutes of the 48 minutes of that game. And, and, more often or not more often than not, but far more often than we would like that those five minutes haven't been enough time to go out there and actually win that, win that basketball game. So, so yeah, I I, like, while I'm sure listeners and while I'm sure readers, and I know my Twitter followers are sick to death of me talking about Andre Drummond, but so long as he continues to play, while it is super obvious that he isn't good enough there, then I, I just, I don't know what else we're supposed to talk about other than like, all right, I'm just going to ignore this dude. Giant elephant yeah, in the room. Like it, he's going to miss a dunk. And I'm just supposed to like kick a pillow or something. I like, I, don't, I don't know what, what I'm supposed to do here when this person keeps doing the, the exact things that really stand out in a Neville long way.
0: And I think there, you know, is obviously some context about how this regular season is just unlike any other that a defending champion has had to go through, right? In terms of the shortened offseason and the compressed schedule and just all of the pressures that are on the players at all times in terms of the health and safety protocols. Like, it has been a hard year to have to play through, and I get that. And that would understandably sap some of the energy that you're able to bring to the basketball court. So I totally understand why this particular Lakers team doesn't look as energized as last year's. Like there's mm-hmm. championship hangover, all of these factors play into it, but it's so much worse than even that baseline would suggest. Right. Yeah. Like to think that LeBron basically circled the Kings game on his calendar as an example of, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of winnable games here. Maybe it's time mm-hmm. to just come back, sneak in a good win. And then like, you know, yep. test out the ankle again for another <laughs> week. Like, that didn't even work because they took that game against the Kings so damn unseriously. Like, right. <laughs> I, I mean, I spend a lot of time watching the Kings, and every time they have played without De'Aaron Fox, it has just been like a crime against the sport of basketball itself. <laughs> and for some reason, that still worked in the fourth quarter against the Lakers. And then, like you mentioned, you know that Jones
1: played incredibly. I just oh wanted to point that out. I just wanted. <laughs>
0: Ian Jones now on a, you know, end of season contract with Sacramento Kings. Contract. Good for him. But I got my
1: 15%. For those of you wondering, I did. I am his agent now. And I got 15% of that deal and I'm living significantly better than I was six weeks ago.
0: Hey, you guys are all waiting about Anthony's new announcement. I'm like, there it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it was worth it. It was worth every second of it.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the meritocracy thing, right? Like, uh, only playing Marcus Saul when like the situation absolutely demands it. Like you mentioned the five minutes, those that he played in the fourth quarter against the Knicks when the game had just gone haywire for the first three quarters. He only plays against Toronto because Andre Drummond had his big toe stepped Mm -hmm. on and he wasn't available for that game. Seeing how well he played against the Raptors and then deciding consciously the next time that you play the Raptors to not go to the same formula is a choice, is a really, really weird
1: choice. Right. Well, it was even worse because in the game, before the Raptors, cause he didn't play at all against the Raptors. Right. Do I have Correct. that right? Cause I will game- say that
0: I did not watch much of the second half of that game because it was, it was, it was just really hard.
1: Well, but that's, yeah. that's exactly it though. That's exactly what we where, where I kind of started this conversation is like, eventually if all you give off regarding the regular season is apathy, guess what fans are going to feel about the regular season. <laughs> are, i am going to be sitting on the edge of my seat for the next for the for the 37th consecutive missed layup that andre drummond has out. i i can't wait to watch it i and, and i'm going to be told after the game as the lakers urinate on this regular season no actually it's raining you know like what
0: what, what are we supposed to
1: do with this
0: and again, it's, it's not all Drummond's fault, right? Like I think, no,
1: it's not you're the right. fit
0: between Andre Drummond and AD is about as bad as it could possibly be between two bigs. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about basically every time you see a big in the league that like is having a difficult time finding an ideal front court partner, like, it'd just be great. If he had another big next to him, who could stretch the floor, who could cover up for him defensively, like Anthony Davis is the key that makes every single front court dynamic in the league work, literally every single one, mm-hmm. like, oh, Montrez Harrell can't adequately cover the rim, put him next to Anthony Davis. All of a sudden that, that solves itself out, right? Like JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, typical paint bound centers who can't really do anything. They still look good next to Anthony Davis. Everybody looks good next to Anthony Davis. I can understand why you would think let's bring in a new guy. He'll look good next to Anthony Davis. It doesn't work. It really just does well, not
1: work. It also didn't work because Anthony Davis wasn't playing very well. Correct. He was shooting like. Negative 3% from three point range, um, somehow. And, uh,
0: so like Lonzo ball on Marvel
1: night numbers. <laughs> <laughs> so like, it was, <laughs> it was, it, you know, if, 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 if Anthony Davis, cause like the way that I would kind of put it, cause I was, you know, messaging back and forth with other people who, who cover the team. And, and, and one of the things was like, we can't just blame Andre Drummond when Anthony Davis is so clearly not himself yet. And it's like, all right. Well, we all could have predicted that Anthony Davis is, isn't going to be himself. He's coming off of a thirty-game absence. He's coming. He's it, during those thirty games, he probably couldn't have been doing the same kind of conditioning that you would hope to be able to do and ramp things up because of the injury that he had. We knew that there were going to be some, some, uh, you know, there was going to be a buildup period here, and yet you still saddle with him. You you, you still saddle him with a big who requires optimal Anthony Davis to make that front court work, right when when, oh by the way, hey Anthony Davis could use a little bit more more space out there. Hey, they have a floor spacer. He's sitting right over. he's, he's sitting right over there. I, I, I joked that when like Marcus Sa makes three pointers nowadays, you can actually see like the thought bubble of him like choking out Frank Vogel. Like, can you, you know, and somebody, it's actually like a way better gift, but where, where from gladiator, the Spaniard, like, are you not like, it's, it's that vibe. And you also have the Spaniard element to it. So well, well done to, to whoever sent that in, but, but yeah, like that's, it's just, I know, like we have been doing this long enough to where you are going to get bull crap from coaches and from players and, 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 They are there. There's always an element of like, what else are they going to say to a lot of instances where they're answering questions and they're asked about a struggling player? Right. You never see. And Frank Vogel is like tops among them when it comes to just perpetual positivity, no matter what is going on you know, and, and, and kudos to him for it, because like, as a Lakers coach, like you really do have to be super careful about what you say, because it's going to lead sports center for the next week. Um, that said, we also are not dumb. <laughs> 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 so like, when, when, when Frank Bogle was saying like, yeah, we still believe in this pairing. We still really think that this is a, this is a, a, a group that, that can really work. I am forced to throw up my hands and say like, You can believe it, you know, I can, I, Avery can believe in Santa, but what are you about to do here, Anthony? (laughs) (laughs) Someday she's going to have to learn that it was daddy up, you know, till two o'clock in the morning on, on Christmas Eve. Like, that's how that went. And, and, and so, uh, yeah, I, I just think, I just think like more than, more than LeBron James' own injury, because I don't think it's anything super serious. The Lakers and nobody around the team is making it seem like it's this giant setback. They are, they, it, they've actually done the opposite, where they've come out and said that it's, it's not a setback. They just want to be super cautious. Cool. That's smart. It's going to be a long playoff run. They are going to have to go through four good playoff teams uh, in order to win this championship. So that's fine. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think this year, all that we have gotten, especially after the Andre Drummond signing is, is them just constantly telling us this season doesn't matter. This regular season doesn't matter. And, and it doesn't even matter in like the sense of, cause last year I thought the Lakers were really smart about the, the, the regular season. They did stick with Rajan rondo and they did i was try about to, to say
0: that's the one thing that came to mind when you said that like frank keeps telling us this is a combination he likes yeah well, i've heard that before actually yeah. and and that's fine and
1: but like even there though like in big games in big national tv games rondo would play noticeably better it still wasn't postseason rondo and all of those things but there were at least flashes of it working there were there were some moments where you could say like, oh i could see kind of what they're going for here uh there haven't, we haven't gotten that from Drummond. We, ha- we haven't gotten, and we have gotten so many flashes to, to the point where it's not, we can't even call it flashes. It's just like the light is on when Marcus Hall is out there. The, the, and, and so that's kind of where, where, where we're at.
0: Right. And there was reason to believe that the Lakers would need a player of Rondo's skill set in the playoffs, just based on what playoff basketball requires. Like you need multiple ball handlers, yeah. You need somebody mm-hmm. who can organize the offense there is no reason to believe that the Lakers need another big plotting center in the playoffs, yeah. because again, we've seen this team at its peak and it does not involve that kind of player on the floor. Everybody talks about how great Dwight was in the Denver series crunch time of those games. It was still Anthony Davis at the five yeah. closing out the nuggets. So although I, I know I, you brought it up. I thought the same thing in terms of the Rondo Drummond comparison. I just don't think it's absolutely fair to think of it that way, especially when, Rondo has the pedigree of like being national TV Rondo and having won a championship. And Drummond came from Detroit where you and I probably did not watch a lot of him and had different expectations of what he could be. And again, none of this to say that he's a bad player. I think you put him on the second unit, like playing next to Marquise Morris. And there's a way to make this work. I do believe there's a way to make it work. I don't think it's the best way of optimizing Lakers resources. I don't think that's the case.
1: Would, would anybody think that of Andre Drummond if he didn't get, like, the max contract and if he wasn't a high-end lottery pick? Like, I, like to a certain extent, I think there's a lot of pedigree pedigree here being associated with somebody who has con- probably used up all of that pedigree. I, I just don't – whatever team he's on next year, I'm not going to sit there and say, like, oh, he showed us. I, I'm not worried about that. <laughs> like, I just – I don't I – I,
0: yeah, I'm not worried know. about it either. I just I also think that there's obviously this ego managing game that Frank Vogel has to engage in. And the Lakers yeah. obviously gave him some promises that are not looking great in hindsight. But it just uh, is unfortunate that we've come to this point because, yeah. you know, the Lakers were actually pretty, pretty fun to watch against the Nuggets yesterday. And a, a lot of those minutes came when Andre Drummond was not on the court. So let's take, take a quick break. break. He was let's take a quick break. phenomenal
1: bench. Like he was really good on the bench. He was waving his towel. The highest I've ever seen Andre Drummond oh, <laughs> jump so far this year has been jumping off of the bench when somebody else is dunking. Like that's the, that's the most explosive he has looked. It, and, and like, honestly, like I, I say that somewhat tongue in cheek, but, but I think he does deserve some credit for like, while it has become painfully obvious. Like if we're noticing it, they've noticed it too. And while it is a zero sum game between him and Marcus all like only one of those guys are going to get minutes. And every minute that one of those guys spends on the court, the other one is not. And the successes that one guy has means that we are going to see less of the other guy. Uh, I do think Andre Drummond deserves a ton of credit for being you. He was in, he was, he was incredibly positive on the bench. He was always the first, like as timeouts were, were, Uh, being taken because the Lakers were going on runs with him on the bench. He was the first person, one of the first people to go out there and say like, way to go, all that stuff. Um, So that was great to see too. And, and, you know, Andre, enjoy your spot over there. Like you have it, you've been stuck in Detroit and then you went from Detroit to Cleveland. And, and, and those are just two incredibly disappointing and depressing uh, NBA franchises right now. You come to the Lakers you get to, you just coast and get yourself a, a, a ring here this season. And then you get to move on like that. I, I think that's, that's, that's a, a perfectly nice uh, end to the season and, and an end to your Lakers tenure.
0: Yeah. He can take some notes from JaVale McKee on the opposing sideline of what his role is going to look like moving <laughs> right. forward. Right? <laughs> just,
1: just, yeah. like, ask Jared Dudley, like who prefers, like what kind of gay and, and, and all that stuff. And, and yeah, you can be yeah. useful there.
0: All right, we will take a quick break and then come back and talk about what the Lakers could look like in these next few games without LeBron and still without Dennis Schroder. All right, we're back to talk about the Lakers, who are currently set to face the Clippers on Thursday, the Blazers on Friday, the Suns after that, and then a nice little reprieve against the Houston Rockets, which... I'm already like getting way too excited about considering it's four games away. And it might even just be as bad as the Kings and (laughs) the Kings and Raptors games. (laughs) But anyway, so LeBron James has been rolled out for the Clippers and Blazers games. Um, The Lakers just historically do not seem to bring a lot of energy to these Clippers regular season matchups. Like it took them being in the bubble and like having an open night opening night type feel and the Clippers missing like three of the rotation players to Mm -hmm. squeak out a win last year. Like, I didn't have a great feeling about this game even before LeBron was ruled out and then we're also dealing with the fact that Schroeder has been ruled out, which is just really, really disappointing because I guess he's going to be missing the rest of the regular season. Mm -hmm. And if you're trying to get any sort of information about what these lineups are going to look like, (laughs) like, how is that possible without your starting point? God, I just don't understand. So, uh, all this is a very long winded way of saying, Anthony, what are you looking for the Lakers to continue doing that they showed in that Denver game? in these next three games against potential playoff teams.
1: Not caring. Um, okay. <laughs> <you know. laughs>
0: they did care yesterday. They really <laughs> did. Uh,
1: no, I, I thought Alex Caruso was incredibly loose with the basketball early in uh, that last game against Denver. I thought he was anticipating guys being in certain spots and throwing the ball to spots when, like, part of why – Jokic and LeBron and you know the the, the great uh, passers in the history of, of of basketball. Like part of why they can pass the ball to space is because teammates are anticipating that they are getting ready. They know that a a a really good passer is going to be capable of passing them open. Whereas like Caruso was doing it, and nobody thinks of Caruso that way. So, so it was just like he was passing the ball to space. And and there was a lot of, and unfortunately it happened a couple of times like with Drummond uh, because of the Drummond was setting a screen on the screen and roll. So again, Cruzo also I, throws
0: some really bad lot passes. Like it's not he, he the other wanted, like, <laughs> <laughs>
1: like he, Drummond looked up and like watched it go. I got in baseball. If you're an outfielder uh, and a pitcher gives up like just a no doubt about it, what they'll do is they'll just like take a couple of steps to, you know. Oh, I, I, I tried, man. You know, I tried, and one of my favorite ones of all time was Yasiel Puig just like not moving. <laughs> <laughs> I forget who threw the. It was probably Grinky, given how much those guys hated each other. But Grinky gave up a bomb or something like that, and Puig didn't move. And and Drummond did that same thing where he just like looked up. He's like, "What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen me jump this year?" Uh, so so yeah, I think um I I, I think. Watching Caruso learn a little bit more about what he can and cannot do as a, as a primary ball handler in those spots is going to be really interesting. Uh, I think it's it's going to be really beneficial to Anthony Davis because uh, it, he was really starting to figure out before he got hurt the first time how to handle these double teams and how to you know force these teams that were putting themselves in a tougher spot, like how to take advantage of those double teams. And early on, since he's come back from injury, he resorted to a lot of those bad habits where he was just kind of turning and jumping and hoping to find somebody open while he's in the air. Whereas I think he's starting to do a better job of understanding, okay, the, the rotation came from over here. This is where this pass is going to go, whether it's for an assist or for the hockey assist or whatever. So, uh, I think for both of those guys learning to be better facilitators that actually wind up helping the Lakers in the long run, especially if Schroeder is out longer than the 10 to 14 days because of these protocols.
0: Yeah. And I do think that, I mean, bring it back to Marcus all again, like the Lakers just don't have enough shot creation without LeBron James and Schroeder on the court. <laughs> He's not going to
1: play in this one. And I'm going to yeah, lose my belief he, in
0: mind. What's interesting is it's kind of a perfect matchup for him to start against because that first time that the Lakers played the Clippers, he was starting against Serge Ibaka, and that's a pretty bad matchup for him because mm-hmm. Serge spaces the floor, spreads it out, and this is, like, straight up coming off of the offseason Marcus All, not in the shape you would expect him to be, and it was a lot of running around for him, he didn't look very good, and, like, being matched up against Zubac is a much more pleasant place for yeah. uh, Marcus All to be. Uh, of course, I'm sure Frank could just see it as, oh, they're going to bring DeMarcus Cousins off the bench and we can put Marcus all in that matchup too, which, sure. Uh, but yeah. I don't want to see Trez playing against DeMarcus Cousins. That's going to be really weird too. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I do think that like the Lakers need some of that just offensive organization that Marcus All provides. Um, yeah. Because like you said, they don't react to passes when Alex Caruso throws them, right? And Talon... God bless Talon is just a little bit too wild to run an offense against uh, a defense like the Clippers. I mean, as as delightful as it is to watch him just throw up these off angled layups. And (laughs) my goodness, the end of that game was something else. The fact that even Talon was like a little shook about what had happened, showed you just the ridiculousness (laughs) of what he had tried to attempt. But I, I do think that like, there just has to be some sort of point guard on the floor at all times. And I, I don't trust that Caruso can handle like the level of ball pressure that some of these defenses can provide, like the Suns or the Clippers. And that's kind of where you need somebody like Assault just to get people organized. And like we were talking about earlier, um, in terms of getting Anthony Davis reacclimated, he just seems so much more willing to attack the paint when he's the center. Like mm-hmm. it was almost instantaneous in that fourth quarter where like he settles for a three point jumper when Drummond's in the game. The very next possession, he's like just mauling Aaron Gordon because there's nobody behind the basket, right, to provide that backline defense. So if the goal of the game here is to get Anthony Davis back to the playoff level ID that we had last year, I think you have to optimize those situations and make him more comfortable by playing him more with Mark and even Trez, because Trez, Mm -hmm. at least his speed, makes him a threat, like, further out on the perimeter.
1: The other one uh, I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping sometimes, like, you know, whether for me growing up, I had a, uh, a neighbor who lived close by and, and whenever we played against each other in, in any kind of a game, like it just felt like a bigger game. And I, I was able to get focused and stuff like that. Marquise needs to turn things around and hopefully seeing his brother or even swapping brothers, if that's what it takes. Uh, like, you know, I, he just hopefully seeing his brother and, 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 you know, just getting, better at basketball and making threes again. Like that that would be that would be a a welcome sight. Because like one of the things that that I think the Lakers went into the season with was was kind of anticipating the fact that they can rely on Keith in, in the postseason the same way that they relied on him last year. Where uh he's not a perfect player and there are going to be some, some stretches. Like one of my favorite plays in that Denver game was Doris Burke. Like she saw that Keith uh, got the switch because uh, THT was going to be matched up against Jokic and, 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 and like to keeps credit. He goes out there and he switches beforehand so that he actually has a, a chance against it. And then Jokic just scores against him. Like he it was like even- a
0: moonshot jumper though. Like I don't know what player you're talking about. Yeah. And, but I mean, like you force Jokic him into that makes, at least.
1: Yeah. Well, like Jokic makes enough of those to where like, I don't even know if you would say like, oh, he forced him into a bad, like Jokic just makes, at least he
0: didn't get to the, the basket. Match. Like what else are you supposed yeah. to do here?
1: <laughs> yeah. But so, so like, I I think, I think uh I, I, I like Keith and I think the Lakers really like Keith and, and as that kind of combo big where he can body up against bigger wings, uh, he's probably going to get beat eventually in in terms of foot speed but he's he's at least capable of like reminding Kawhi that he's there or or reminding uh paul george that he's there for a little while and then also being able to go down and and play physically against fours and spacing the floor like he's a very theoretically important player and and he needs to get back going in some way shape or form here in short order Otherwise, like the Lakers might have to look elsewhere on this rotation. Like This is one of the things that I, I, I actually like that, that uh, Frank Vogel said after the game. He said that uh, we are a very deep team. He said that when uh, certain guys don't have it going, that allows me to just go immediately to the next option, and it, and it becomes next man up. Well, I don't think the Lakers are very well situated if they have to go next man up because Marquis Morris can't make threes anymore
0: right um that's actually another situation where it seems like in another moment of the season he might have been benched at a certain point just to like sort of get his head in order because mm-hmm. i do believe he has missed 25 straight three-pointers like we're it's on in edwin rios type situation here <laughs> with marquis uh mm. and i love that you brought up the fact that he's gonna be playing against his brother because like for the first quarter of that last lakers slippers game all of the points were scored by the Morris family. Like for the first <laughs> five minutes, it was ridiculous. Like Marcus got the better of it, but that was one of the last times I can remember keep having like a genuinely good game. Yeah. Maybe that is, you know, just a little. And just kind of get you means. focused
1: again, you know, you know, mom and dad and everybody's going to be watching the game anyway. So you really got to get your, your stuff in order. And, and hopefully right. and that's he is
0: the older brother, I think. So you never want the little one to like punky like that too. It's, not a good
1: feeling you're talking about <laughs> minutes <but laughs> aren't they like they they're twins right so yeah. like they i that's always made me that's always fascinated me where where like you think twins you care about yourself, older or younger yeah like do you call yourself the older brother even though you're only like a, a a minute or so older
0: uh the the identical twins that i know do talk about themselves that way it is like a really? point of personal pride that they have that minute advantage literally speaking over their sibling.
1: I wonder if it's an identical twin thing and like non-identical twins don't care as much about it. I don't know. It's interesting.
0: It's I gotta, a conversation I that I'm, I'm probably ones. less suited to have than some of the other ones we've been having. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Just one last question. Um, obviously, I would assume that Drummond is going to continue being the starter. Would you keep Caruso in the starting lineup or do you think it's worth reimagining Ooh. like what Talon or another guard could look like there.
1: Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I would keep Caruso in the starting lineup. Uh, he's a more important player. Like he's, he's more likely to, be, he has a longer leash when it comes to, you know, this, this postseason, he's going to be in the rotation no matter what, whereas like, would it, it wouldn't shock me if Talen Horton Tucker found himself on the outside looking in for some of these uh, upcoming series. So you got to make sure that you have uh Caruso up and, and and ready to go I thought you were asking if if we don't see Schroeder again this regular season like do does he immediately get his starting spot back at the, in the first round of the series so what, what do you think about that one
0: I think he would just because there is a a clear gap order. in talent uh, yeah. Between Caruso and Schroeder. And with all due respect to Caruso, it's just that no, when Dennis right. also brings it defensively, there's like less that's added by, you know, replacing Caruso with him. Uh, I do, I'm just so bummed that we're missing out on this time with Schroeder and LeBron because that was the one thing that really stood out to me when they played in that Kings game last week. It was the first time Schroeder and LeBron had played together in about like five weeks. And Dennis had been coming off this wonderful stretch where mm-hmm. he'd finally like started valuing the ball again and he, looked exactly like you know the four years 80 million type of point guard that the lakers were hoping to get and i was very curious to see what that would look like next to a guy who needed the ball as much as lebron
1: and And it was
0: it was tough sledding for that first game but again Mm -hmm. it's just the first game but now that's going to be the last time they play together against the until the playoffs so maybe that's reason enough to consider you know putting Caruso in that place because he knows exactly what to do next to LeBron. He's much more familiar playing in that situation. I just can't see it happening with like Dennis hitting free agency and him having been the starter all year. Um, I do wish that we would get like one or two of those just bonkers Kyle Kuzma games here and there. Like, I feel like now that he's settled into this comfortable role player existence, he's less likely to pop off, you know, when he gets that starter opportunity. And like, it's great that he's, Figured out what makes him successful on the Lakers, but I do miss those random binges, you know, when he would just especially with this hairdo.
1: Yeah, like
0: it demands a little bit more flash.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that that's always like what what kids are told, right? When they wear flashy shoes, like you gotta you gotta if you're gonna wear what's the what's some of the like the hot pinks and this is a
0: really funny interlude of you trying to figure out what's
1: (laughs) (laughs) seafoam seafoam was the word that i was thinking of like that like really kind of a city acidic green color that that you'll see in some of these shoes nowadays like if you're gonna wear that bright a shoe you can't suck because everybody's gonna see you wearing that bright a shoe and uh and so yeah like kuzma's going out there and playing with like a light bulb on his head you, you, you everybody's gonna see that you're the person with the bleach blonde hair not playing well but he's i i have no i have no qualms with kuzma this year i thought i think he's been like legit good
0: yeah uh, it's it's funny because like i watch a lot of games with my dad and he's he's not a big fan because it's hard for him to shake his like original impressions yeah. of what kuzma is we don't get that um and then like it just so happens he'll be having the discussion and then kuzma will just throw the ball away and yeah. fall behind it's Michael Porter jr on a fast break. And it's just, all mm-hmm. right, Kuz like, I know you're better than this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just need to prove it to my dad every once in a while. But yeah, I'm sure that's the last thing on Kyle. Kuz was and, then,
1: and then when Kuz like makes a three-pointer, your dad's like going to the bathroom.
0: Yes. But,
1: <laughs> <laughs> or even better. Like, you're like, see, see, he made the rotation. I wasn't, why would
0: I watch the backs?
1: I'm Luke Walton. I don't, there's no backside to any of this stuff.
0: Yeah, it's a it's a constant battle trying to get my dad to like the players that I do. Um, it took me about a year and a half of KCP, and <laughs> I'm not even sure that we've like maintained that level of appreciation because <laughs> Kenny goes through his lulls. <laughs> Time like KCP goes on a fast break, it's just the Merchant family like collectively holds their breath. <laughs> what is going to happen?
1: And then and then he does something wrong, and you know that you can feel your dad's eyes on your on your head. Like you just. <laughs> just absolutely turning on the bright lights of the because I know I know the judgmental parent uh, <laughs> like you told me he was good yeah. like you you told me this was where we were at nope no he was he was he's less than that
0: anyway on that note about disappointing parents and showing <laughs> that we don't care about this regular season feels like a good place to stop doesn't it Anthony yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. all right well this has been I Love Basketball on the Silver Screen Roll Podcast Network. I'm Sabrina. That was Anthony Irwin. Make sure you are subscribed to this podcast feed on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, wherever you choose to listen to your podcasts. And we'll be back tomorrow.